Hey, what's going on, guys? Nate and Philip back again. Episode, what is this, 31? 31. I have to yeah, ask we're every time. Along. Yeah, sometimes I have to look each time before I make the pose because I really don't, I can't keep track. Like, wait, are we on 31? Are we on 30? Was that last time? Yeah, I think 30 was last time, but. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's well. how I do is I look at previous posts, but. <laughs> Yeah, what's going on? Hope you guys are doing all right. Getting springtime here where we're at, getting a little mm-hmm. warmer. And uh, yeah, this episode is another era episode, but it's a little different. So if it's your first time listening or you skipped a couple, we do these era episodes where we started back all the way back to the OG sets and we're doing a episode dedicated to each era. But now that gets a little gray because some people consider, you know, the first era as Watsy era. And that is in itself one era, but we're going mm-hmm. beyond that. We're kind of chunking it up. So we're doing like OG era, the gym set era and stuff like that. The the e-reader era and all that stuff. So this one yeah. is kind of the last episode of Watsy. Because uh, last one we talked about Expedition, Aquapolis, and Sky Ridge. Mm-hmm. So some amazing sets there for sure. Yeah, this one is basically just covering the odds and ends and a lot of miscellaneous stuff in this set. And, you know, what's funny is it still barely scratches at the surface of what else there is because it doesn't even discuss the Japanese cards released before they even before the Pokemon cards even debuted in the English language. There's, like, yeah. four years of cards, technically, I think, before that. Like, you know, you're... And then there's the Topps card, which is its own thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, the way I see it for the Japanese side, there is a lot for these era episodes. So, in mm-hmm. general, like, the way I see it is, you know, we're just doing these era episodes as, like, a catch-up And then maybe we'll go back and, well, I say maybe, but I mean, it's pretty safe to say we'll go back and, uh, yeah, cover Japanese promos and unique things. And I feel like those will be, you know, kind of branched up to, as in like trophy cards, maybe an episode about trophy cards, maybe an episode about vending series. You know, we can break that up in many ways as well. Card ass, you know. Yeah. Bandai. I mean, there's there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, there's so a lot. You go there. The original illustration cards that led to the eventual uh, vending series. You know, like there's so much. Yep. So all that will probably be another five episodes in itself. But uh, yeah, I don't know. But maybe. I mean, I figure with those, we'll just do like pre watsy Japanese cards, part one, part two, part three, or something like that. <laughs> Because uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or, I don't know, but yeah, that that one's I figure I kind of save the best for last because I think those are the most fun. To be honest with you, yeah, it would have to be like I don't know. It's hard to say. It would have to be either like five plus episodes or really watered down versions because there's so many. But yeah, yeah, we'll but, get there when we get there. Mm-hmm. I will say, as far as what's going with me, uh, I did splurge a little bit. It's so I didn't. So actually, I bought Pokemon cards too. Okay, 
I, I splurged, but I also bought some Pokemon cards. I know I, I've been mentioning for a while that I've mean to just check out the local store and just see what cheap singles they had. And, you know, of course, they, they there was a few cards there. I got my uh, Japanese Blanche from Pokemon Go, a few Radiant Rares, some Illustration Rares, both Japanese and English Spirit Tomb, you know, like, and a few other rares. Like, And they were all cheap. I got all these cards for, like, 25 bucks. What nice. the spirit tomb illustration? Yeah, to say the spirit tomb illustration rare was a dollar, a dollar, and that's like one one of the better ones in my high opinion. I mean, that's kind of what I'm saying. People talking about songs, people talking about you know invest this, best bro, invest bro, diamond hands. You know, this is where this is where it's most fun. You can enjoy the hobby for the cheap, get great art on your cards, and still collect. Still collect ultra modern, some of the best ultra modern, like the illustration rares. You know, I know the altars are like the crown jewel of, of that era, but illustration rares are still just as incredible and fun to collect. Yeah, I got a, uh, I got a pretty sick uh, thing in the mail. It's the E four forum signature exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, a lot of people signed up. I think it was like thirty six of us. So. Every single person bought like 40 cards. Um, you could buy all the same card or 40 different cards or 40 cards you had laying around, whatever you want. And then you signed them. And then we sent them all to one person. He divvied them up. And then it was a couple people. Um, it was Slade and PFM, Pokemon Flying Master, from E4. So shout out to those guys. They did a lot of work for that. But... They essentially took all the cards, divvied them up into piles, and sent them back out to the participants. And so each one of us got a signed card from every single person on the E4 Signature Exchange. So it was pretty cool. It's, uh, you know, nothing special, nothing crazy, like crazy cards, but it was cool just seeing everyone's signature and just kind of a fun thing to do. So that's that's the only exciting thing I've done. and. I've bought a little binder to put them in, and the cards look amazing, like, in the binder with everyone's signature. Um, yeah, it's just a little cool thing to do. So now I want to, like, fill up that binder with, like, signatures. Like, anybody that I meet that I do a deal with or that I talk to, I might have a card in there for them to sign. Um, if it's anybody like famous or stuff like that, I'll have like a special hollow card for them to sign or something. It, it's just a little cool thing as like a memento. Just nothing, nothing really special, but kind of has some sentimental value. Yeah, I, uh, and the big splurge I did, I showed you, I haven't posted it on my Instagram. Um, I've been meaning to. I'll probably do that after we record this episode today. But I bought my very first grade of comic, Nathan. Nice. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I've never submitted comics to CGC. Um, I think I would have a couple that would score 9.6 or 9.8, uh, which is for modern and basic. They're not, first off, collecting comics is kind of niche. I, I like doing collecting things just for the documentation aspect and preservation and Obviously, I collect the hard copy of a lot of comics, and like when I start, I begin a series, and I find out I love it immediately. It's very difficult for me nowadays not to splurge and buy the individual issues and have those from my collector standpoint. But 
I bought Flashpoint issue number one. And now Flashpoint is obviously going to be the inspiration for the next Flash movie or that's coming out. But Flashpoint in the DC universe is pretty big because it's basically the beginning of ultra-modern DC universe comics. It, like, reset the multiverse, more or less, and just, it, it was basically began to what, where we are today with the DC universe, and I absolutely love it. I've been looking at this for almost three years since I first heard about the Flash movie. So, I'm excited. Like, yeah. I've been literally keeping, I'm, I, yeah, I, I know, like, I've been keeping track of, like, that card, just, like, kind of seeing the price now since, like, 2020. It's like, uh... Do I do it? Do I do it? Do I do it? And the, the moment they the Flash uh, first preview came out, it jumped to like 40% to like almost 500. Yeah. But it went down since then because people are unsure about the movie, as you can imagine, which makes sense. But I got it for basically 300 ships. That includes sales tax. So I got a hell of a deal on it. It was cheaper than when I first started looking at it. Well, it might have been like 250 or 300 back then. But, you know, inflation has gone up about, you know, 8.2% in here, in, here in America. So... I mean, it's about where it was originally when I started looking at it. So I'm happy. I can't wait. I can't wait to be eventually beginning reading the whole Flashpoint story because there's like 64 comics involved. I've only ever read five of the issues. (laughs) (laughs) So eventually I'm getting to that. But currently I'm reading the beginning of Dark Crisis with the multiversity and all that. So, yeah, I always love the look of graded comics. And I I had a small comic collection. When I was growing up, because the one, actually one of the biggest card stores that I went to for all my cards were a comic store first and foremost. So it was always cool going in there, picking up like a comic that was worth anywhere from one to five bucks just because it looked cool. Um, G.I. Joe was my main thing. Cause I actually, yeah, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say my brother was into it, so we... We always did the G.I. Joe thing. But, uh, See, I've never been into the G.I. Joe, but I somehow have acquired G.I. Joe comics, like comic stories. If you ever want those, please take them off my hand. I'll probably never read them. I have no idea how I got them. There's a lot of comics like that. I think what it was, it was, it was a, it might have been, shit, I really have no idea how I got these books. <laughs> Are they like, like the it, old school ones or? No, no, that's one from the 80s, I don't think. I think it's more like early 2000s, but, like, there's a bunch of these books that, like, there's even some, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I mean, I love the show, but I never cared for the comics. And there's these bunch of other comics, I like, these Invincible comics, which I have somehow four of the omnibuses that I never bought. I have no clue how I, how I came across these. I, this was during my drinking days, so, I mean, it could have been a... An impulse buy, but I never would have bought G.I. Joe because I've never had any interest in it. So somehow I got these comics and I have no idea how. <laughs> but yeah. I, uh, I mean, if they're the 2000 ones, like I, I played and bought like the action figures a lot around that time. Um, well, they, they kind of had a civil war. Uh, I'm not sure about that one then. There, there's a there was a time in the 2000s. I think it was Valor versus Venom is what they called like the toys. And uh, 2012 yeah. for this story. Hmm. That's probably that's probably a little past that then. But there's a few. I mean, I, yeah, I'm not sure how I came across these. I think it was somewhere like somebody was about to throw away comics and. 
me not, you know, still being drinking and just was trying to collect comics even back then off and on. But recently I've hit it harder, obviously, because I finally learned more information about studying how to come across, you know, where things are with the DC universe, all that. Anyways, I just kind of, any chance I could get, I was like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll take them. I think it was just somebody that was literally about to throw them away. It's, I somehow came across, and I ended up getting, like, this whole Tupperware container full of comics. Yeah. Yeah, but, I'll have to check them out sometime. I really don't, like, collect them. And even the ones I had back then, I pretty much only kept a very small handful of, like, the ones I thought were cool. But, yeah. It uh, it's uh, it's pretty interesting. I used to collect a lot of things, but over the years, my like minimalism and all these cycles that I've talked about, where I sell things, I've pretty much just narrowed it down to Pokemon only. <laughs> just narrow my focus and put my money into that, or save my money or something. Yeah, that's well, that's cool. With the DC or with the comics, I've learned now, or I've had the DC Infinite Universe subscription, so. Now, going forward, I only buy issues of the stories that are very imperative to the overall core storyline of the DC Universe, which is pretty much what I've been buying recently, or stories I absolutely love and I have to have the hard copy of. Uh, Those are the only sets I'm buying going forward because I'm already foreseeing a potential issue years down the line where I'm going to have, you know, if if I don't do that, literally a room full of boxes of comics. You know, it's not that it's still pretty small for the most part of core stories. So it's okay, but it's something that I have to think about going forward because a lot of these stories I'm not going to want to sell necessarily. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. That's a nightmare for me having a whole. Well, I, th- that's why I, I've already, you know, I'm seeing the writing on the wall and I'm being careful now because I'm seeing what some of the, the used comics for certain stories go for. And I mean, say if there's eight comics, you know, you bought 40 bucks or, or whatever, obviously you're not getting your money back, which is fine, but like you might not even get like 20 bucks, yeah. <laughs> 20, you know, after shipping and sending it off. So it's like, ugh, I might as well keep it for, for, for those prices. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, in, my, in my experience seeing those, I mean, yeah, you'd be, you'd be buying a, uh, yeah, like a, a comic worth, you know, however much they are nowadays, few bucks. And then it's only the well yeah, not getting yeah. much money back at all. <laughs> it's only the big stories that really maintain their value, and that's kind of obviously the core stories, including you know Grant Morrison's Multiversity, which literally goes back the last thirty years of DC Comics and maps, and also maps the entire multiverses and introduces you to forty-five of the fifty-two known worlds, and it like gives you a description of each world, which is fascinating, absolutely incredible. Nerf 26, I can't wait for you. That's the uh, cartoon Earth World. <laughs> I can't wait till they do something like that. But anyways, we should probably get back onto the, the news part of, of yeah. our podcast. Most people well, are here to listen for DC. Me, me just gush about the DC universe. I can go on for a while. And so. speaking of Pokemon again, like with that stuff, it just goes to show like how little Pokemon still does. I mean, why is there not like a huge mainline series of Pokemon comics that, you know, they, they like try manga, but Oh, well, I, they're, the opportunity was there to like translate or convert the manga into comics. So the, like the Western world could kind of get mm-hmm. the same feel. Cause like, you know, comics were the thing over here. So it, it's just so weird. Like, why don't they, 
capitalize on that stuff or why didn't they do that stuff? I know they've had some like magazine type comic type things aside from the manga, but you know, over in Japan, but it's just, I don't know. It's just so weird. Well, you know, you say that and it's funny because DC is trying to gain a footing in the Japanese world. They obviously, you know, Batman and Superman, they're big all, all over the world. You know, the justice league, they're big and known all over the world. There's fans all over the world, but they're, they're trying to gain a new audience, and they're actually making manga. They're they're gonna like they're they're starting with three stories. One is about the Joker. One is about Batman. I forget. I think the other one's about Superman or something like that. And they're basically they're gonna be in manga, and it's more it's more catered to the Japanese audience to try to gain more viewers. But they made some like alterations that for that makes sense culturally, and they're obviously I'm pretty sure they're still gonna be like. English, like Westerners, but it's more from a Japanese lens. And I think that's really, really interesting because they're trying to expand and gain their popularity because you know how certain like animes, like, you know, One Piece, Dragon Ball Z, Naruto, you know, they're all so huge around the world and they're huge in Western culture. They are. And obviously DC is huge. Just look at their numbers when it comes to their movies. And, you know, Marvel too, obviously, but, you know, billion dollar movies. That There's obviously a huge audience that wants this and craves this this material and you know this is where pokemon as you mentioned they could kind of make it to where i'm not saying like dc's black label where it's mature audiences you know there's people dying left and right you know i'm not saying that but they can make a teen comic a comic that's that's teen for general audiences that can have more than just cater towards seven-year-olds where it can get, have viewers that want to know more about the world want to learn and understand it they could be able to reach another audience because not everybody plays games. Not everybody wants to play the games and learn the lore. You could literally make comics about that. Because right now they only have comics or the manga regarding the show. And do yeah. people really even read it? I mean, I'm sure people in Japanese do, but I don't know anybody that reads Pokemon manga. Do you? Because it's aimed towards kids. Yeah, and that's the problem, right? It's like everything's geared towards kids, which it's cool, like that's their thing. But it's, it was a kid show, we get it. But it's like, yeah, you anyway. can expand. Like everybody loves Pokemon, and they've acknowledged that it's for everybody now. So, like, why not make? You know, you don't have to make mature rated things. Just make like. You don't even have to make you know things that aren't PG. Just make it a little more in depth. Like we've had this talk about the video games. I mean, look at what Hogwarts Legacy has done to Harry Potter. That game was amazing, and people loved it, and people like were all in on that game. If there was a Pokemon game like that, that would be insane. But well, I think a comparable for like audiences is like, for example, Avatar, like the Last Airbender. Like, so that show was obviously like aimed towards seven-year-olds, but you know what? They handled themes like potentially mature themes in a way that kids could understand and it was still maintain its tv y7 rating but it had a bunch of wisdom in the show it had, it had all these great things great elements even towards the end it even started having great fight scenes because they had more money to be able to create those things and yet you have pokemon so unwilling to do that because they're fixated on like their main focus i mean i you can have promos in these sort of comics you, you, to make people buy it. Like, hey, here, get this promo. It's going to be in this comic. Buy it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, they used to do, like, 
which we'll talk about actually in this episode, the magazine promos, but like that's yeah. Game Boy. That's what kids had, you know, back then is like Beckett trading card game magazine and stuff like that. Top deck magazine. I don't know. It's just, it was just really weird, but wish we had more. Yep. So I guess that, that's a little discussion ahead of the uh, news there, (laughs) you know, always talking about Pokemon. So yeah, always talking about Pokemon problems. No problems. But yeah, the uh, for the news, not much again. Um, I can't tell if it's not much news or if people are less invested in the Scarlet and Violet. Um, you know, we are seeing a little cool down, I think, of modern. But it's like, is a lot of that due to, you know, Scarlet and Violet lacking or are people finally done messing with that stuff or you know what what's going on and i I think it's a little bit of both um our news example for today um i i wrote down that um the summer pokemon sets coming out in japan called raging surf one of the biggest bits of news for that is that it's going to feature golden go ex and makes sense because he's like you know the surfer dude um, but there's a, a little more to that. And I, I just want to talk about, you know, it, it looks like it's going to be a cool set and all there's plenty of water Pokemon in Paldea region, but, uh, I feel like golden go is getting special treatments. Um, he, he's kind of going the path of Meltan, but he's actually cooler. <laughs> you know, remember like Meltan when it came out, he had mm-hmm. like a little feature in Pokemon Go. And then yeah, he became like this mythical Pokemon. And we're kind of seeing the same thing with Golden Ghoul in Pokemon Go. You can send a postcard to Scarlet and Violet and get a box similar to uh Meltan box in Pokemon Go to get Golden Ghoul. And then you have to get a golden lure on the fifth day that you send things to get coins and then use the coins to evolve them into Golden Go. In the games, you have to do like this huge scavenger hunt collecting coins to evolve them and stuff like that. So definitely lots of featuring going on with Golden Go. And, uh, you know, it is a pretty cool Pokemon. It's definitely unique. It's Pokemon number 1000. Um, you need nine nine hundred ninety nine coins to evolve him, and nine hundred ninety nine is the number of golden, uh, gimme ghoul rather. So they're they're proud of this one. Well, you know we'll give them that. <laughs> they're proud of their, uh, you know I guess them coming up with that whole idea, and uh, they're they're showing for it, which is pretty nice. It's it's cool to see a, a featured Pokemon that's not just the starters, but. Um, yeah, what do you what do you think? I was gonna ask I, you if like do you see this as a promo type situation or like I think they've mainly the seen they've seen immediately how much the social media and bubbles with the Pokemon communities, how favorable it was towards this Pokemon. Because he's kind of derpy. He's kind of a meme. 
And obviously, because of that, people immediately loved it. And I think they're kind of running with that initial initial reaction that its base had. And I think they're they're gonna they're really capitalizing on it because of that. Yeah. And now they're because they've seen how much people enjoy it. They're obviously making it. It's going to be a big featurette in this upcoming set and right with Raging Surf. You know, it's probably going to have pack art. It's probably going to have an illustration rare. It's going, it's going to have a bunch of cards, I'm sure. Um, so it's going to probably have a C, an SAR. You know, like everything. Uh, and I I think it's cool. You know, I, I think it's a cool looking Pokemon. It's all gold and. Whatever it is, humans like shiny things, and obviously gold is really, really shiny. <laughs> yeah, clean gold, I'll say. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. So I mean, it makes sense to me. Um, I'm still waiting for uh, the more of the 151 set to be dropped, and considering it's coming out in June, I think like mid to late June or something like that, we should be seeing probably not this episode. But I would think we would see something by the next episode, potentially. Um, but it's going to be a slow leak, I'm sure, too. So who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, and that, that Raging Surf, I think, is coming out in May in Japan. So the next set to like have some leaks will be that one, or it should be. Well, so. we've already have seen some cards. so And it never fails that a set like that gets leaks hella early. Yeah, like I think they end up doing that with like the Umbreon, like the Altar Umbreon, end up getting leaked hell early, for example, before Eevee Heroes came out. Yeah, but yeah, it's a uh, it's cool to see. I myself haven't even bought like a Scarlet and Violet pack. I think the nope. leaks and all that is kind of really hurting Kills them. It. Yep. Yeah, it's like if you don't if you don't like the set, why buy? Mm-hmm. There's no mystery to it. Yeah, and that's the thing for me. It's like I want to open something new and like that, but it's like I don't know it. The spoilers, all I see, you know, it, it's impossible not to see that on Instagram. You have to see it pretty much. It's just I don't know, not for me. Just opening modern in general, but I haven't I haven't bought since. Uh... Star Universe in December, and I don't think I'm going to buy until set 151. Like, I'm sure I'm buying some of that set, because, let's be honest, it's, good. it's going to have some amazing art rares, illustration rares, it's going to have some cool stuff. So, yeah. I'll buy a little bit of that. Yeah, it'll have some cool things, for sure. Um, I just don't know what it would take for me to buy any. I'm sure. I set one fifty one. I'm yeah. sure you'll buy it. Yeah, I'll buy it. I'll have a Charizard, and you'll be like, "Okay, I'll buy it. I'll get some for the Charizard." <laughs> like, all right, I guess I'll try. Yeah, okay. But uh, no, that's I'm more. But part of it for me, and I'm sure you too. It's like once you kind of immerse yourself in enough of the hobby and some of the cards out there, and you got like a full spectrum of all the cards that they've printed. You know, there's cards that. For example, there were cards that apparently one of the former CEOs of uh, Pokemon, they printed primes of his dogs. Yeah. Like, cards like that. Like, they, they were cool cards, but, you know, they're probably literally one or two, like, like single digits of the amount of cards they probably made for those. So, you just kind of have an idea of, like, once you kind of know what's out there, you can really focus your goals. 
And when you realize how cheap you can get these art rares, like, again, like I, like I just said, $1 for an English art illustration rare. The Japanese a little more expensive was like, it was like four, but, you know, still, it's cheap. Like, that's one pack. That's the cost of a pack. You, you get that. And, like, just kind of feed, like, you know, be able to feed that beast once you want to participate in the hobby. That's how I just satiate myself while keeping my true goals focused. And... Once you kind of get to that point and you're able to kind of control your spending a little bit within the hobby, you kind of start to realize a lot of these sets come and go, but what, what stays? You know, what's, what's going to be the defining features? We haven't seen that so far of this era just yet. Yeah. Yep, it's a... Uh, I don't know what it could be either. I mean, it, they do have some great Pokemon. I think the Pokemon look really good. Um, I just don't know what it would take, but in general, I've just been burnt out, like with everything. Haven't been posting as much on my Instagram, stuff like that. The the stuff I have been doing, I've mostly have just wanted to, you know, do the uh, private thing, you know, the whole buying and selling, and just not worry about making videos and all that. So. Yeah, I don't know what else I'll I'll be doing, but we'll see. I think uh, I'm just basically just waiting for a Collecticon because I think that'll really spark me back up again. Yep. I don't know. I'm just saying. Yeah. Oh, I was just saying. I I don't know if it will or not, but I still got some stuff to sell, so we'll see. By the time I get there, I'll have sold most of my crap, which will be fun, because I won't have to worry about haggling, and, like, I'm at the point where it's just going to be a couple hundred bucks worth at most, so, you know, it's, I've sold a lot more than I thought I would in this time frame. It's slowly but surely, so, yeah. maybe we'll have something for them, maybe not, I don't know, we'll see. But, uh, I think the only other bit of news I had was, uh, there's a Pokemon Horizons, the series, which aired in Japan. And they did get some looks at what appears to be a new Pokemon. Um, they did leak, you know, on Pokemon Day, I think it was, a couple of what we can assume are legendaries for Scarlet and Violet's DLC. Um, so this one almost looks like it's a pre-evolution of a turtle. And one of those legendaries was a turtle that they revealed that day. So this one is like a little turtle who's interacting with one of the new protagonists. So it's interesting to see that. Um, I don't know how I feel about, you know, all the DLC and stuff, you know, just to get the new Pokemon, we're going to have to do DLC and all that. So, it's unfortunate that's the way games are nowadays. You can't even make a good game unless you're doing like a battle pass and all this BS that goes along with it. So that's just yeah, the way they are nowadays. It's everything, unfortunately, these days. Like It's like gym equipment or exercise equipment, especially like the top dollar ones. Oh, you're going to buy our top dollar machine. And guess what? Because since you can afford, we know you can afford these machines. We're also going to require you to pay a subscription service to continue using it, just so you can use it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's it's like a straight gimmick. It's like, how do we increase revenue? It's like, okay, let's make a subscription service, and we'll we'll get, and then we'll start increasing money on that. Blah blah blah. It's like bleeding people dry. 
But yeah, I would say the only thing that I could really think of was like they re- they released some cards, and obviously the, t- the top one is the Iono card, um, sixteen hundred bucks in Japanese <laughs> from uh, what was it Clayburst? No, yeah, Clayburst. I mean, the card is pretty cool, and I'm sure the pull rate's equivalent of that value, but we all know why it's going that that much, don't we, Nathan? I think we do. I think we do. <laughs> we that. discussed it last episode. Get that waifu collectors. Get that 16-year-old on, on a card. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean... It is a cool card. The artwork is pretty cool. I will say that. Like, it's pretty intricate. You got, like, this Pikachu thing on it. It's Eevee thing. I mean, it is a cool-looking card. I will say it. The artwork's pretty cool. Yeah. But is it $1,600 cool? Hell no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's weird. <laughs> that's the thing. I don't do modern because I just think that's ridiculous. But... Mm-hmm. I mean, the full race that rare. There's the Umbreon that's, you know, expensive too. Yeah. I haven't even seen that one, I don't think. The uh, Japanese one? You've seen it. It's got more oh. texture to it. The oh, Japanese yeah. all-part Umbreon. Mean, nice. like, yeah. Evolving Skies, yeah. Yeah. Or Eevee Heroes. Eevee Heroes, yeah. Well, that, that was hard to pull. That's why it was more expensive, but yeah. But yeah, I guess that's pretty much all we got for the new section. Um, we can hop on into the old... Main topic. This will probably be a short one. We're assuming, because mm-hmm. um, yeah, well, there there isn't much here. So we're talking about the odds and ends, which are pretty much just the Black Star promos, um, the best of game promos. There's some W Wizard stamp promos, and then Southern Islands, and that's pretty much the juice of the entire topic. Um, there really isn't much in between, you know, a lot of stuff was already happening on the Japanese side. Like we mentioned, there is a whole sea of Japanese promos that the English did not get and many more before Pokemon even came over here. So yeah, we'll, we'll do that in future episodes and break that up a little bit. But as far as the English side, you know, things were still taken off. It was in a hype, and uh, there there was quite the range of promos still, but yeah, just not nearly as much. But I guess we should probably start with the Black Star promos, right? Because that's what everyone yeah. thinks of. Everybody had some of these. Um, even Ancient Mew, that's technically a Black Star promo. Um, and this is the biggest group of them all. I mean, these were iconic. And it seems like everybody had these. <laughs> did you, How many did you have? Let's kind of talk about ones that are nostalgic to us, I guess, and uh, well, talk about how they, I, or where you could get them. Yeah, I didn't. So I don't have all these. Um, I do have the plurality of these. There are a couple very expensive ones in these promos. We'll get to those eventually. Um, I have the majority of these i'm missing a handful of ones but that's because since these were all promos it's kind of lower on my desire list to get i'll probably get, a, get them at the end of the year when i sell some of my little kind of cards um 
But I have almost all these. I mean, I think the main ones I'm missing are the Pokemon Center and Lucky Stadium because those are several hundred dollars a piece. Um, and I'm missing the e-reader era ones, like the Suicune. Actually, I might have the Suicune. The Ho-Oh. But yeah, I do have the majority of these. Obviously, I got a lot of them from, like, you, you might remember from the Game Boy uh, or Nintendo Power ma- ma- magazine. Yeah. I yeah, there's a... Yeah, a lot of them came from magazines, I feel like. Um, which, yeah, we're not going to go through every card and exactly no. how you got it. <laughs> um, That's definitely way too boring along. Yeah, even on Pokelector, if you click on the card, it tells you like a little one-liner of information. Yeah. Like, for instance, the uh, Mew promo that everyone had says Pokemon League, January 2000. Um, I never really participated in the Pokemon League at all. Or have really known anybody to. I just think there was just so much of this card that just everybody had one. Because even to this day, you can find like bricks of these things unopened where it's like a thousand to each brick or something like that. So just as with base set, as with everything else, just the insane overabundance of cards were a thing. So yeah. pretty much with everything, promos and everything. But yeah, pretty much the only two that are worth anything really sticking out are the ones you said, um, Pokemon Center and Lucky Stadium. Those were given out to the uh, New York Pokemon Center opening. Um, I think you had to be there and buy a certain amount of products. Um, so yeah, there was a decent amount of them. They're not like insanely expensive, but they are... Much more expensive than most of these. Yeah, I think they're like four or five hundred dollars a piece, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I haven't looked at them in a long time, but they they were a hundred, two hundred, pretty commonly. I feel like Pokemon Center says, "What is this?" It says almost five hundred on TCG Player. It's probably near mint, though. No, it's moderately played. Yeah, so they've t- taken a jump. Yeah. Near mint six hundred. No, lightly, no, yeah, near mint six hundred. So they have, they yeah. have definitely increased, and I don't know what they are in a nine or a ten or something like that. Yeah, so they've pretty much maintained through the hype. Um, yeah. Before the they hype, they were definitely job. one to two hundred bucks, I think. So they're still doing well. Um, a lot of people love this set. I never really like cared to collect this whole set. For some reason. Um, yeah, I don't know. The, the cards are cool. Some of them are really cool. I really like the Mewtwo. Um, designed by Christopher Rush. Who is the designer and creator of Magic the Gathering. Um, that's the only card he illustrated for Pokemon. So it's really a kind of a weird odd and in thing. But really cool. Um but yeah, I I just never really collected these for some reason. I've never had a complete set. I've had many of these cards come to my collection and then go out of my collection. Multiple Ancient Muse. The one I remember most as a kid is the Entei Reverse Hollow. Um, that was the movie promo for the third movie. And I uh, just always thought that card was really cool. And... Uh, 
yeah, the the other ones that point out to me, the three legendary birds, I mean, everybody had those. The movie, yeah. Yeah, that was a movie for the second movie promo. Um, and Tay, obviously, the reverse hollow from the third movie. Yeah. I think the Pichu came in that one, too. Yeah, I think they, they were a pair in that one. I think that yeah, was I a am missing it more than I anticipated, though. I'm missing more than I thought. Well, there's cards... Oh, I think I, I got those graded, I think, is why. Is, is where. So, yeah, I got some that are in my binder, and then other ones, that's right. So, I had a lot of these that are in my uh, graded stash, because they were my OG collection. So, I almost need to rebuy a lot of these cards because of that. Yeah. Um, because I'm looking at, like, I know I got this one, you know, like, but it's not in my binder, because I, I went ahead and pulled up my binder, and it's like, the Muse, for example, I have those. Uh, you know, the Mewtwo, you were trying to buy that for me, I remember. Uh, both Mew <laughs> both the Mewtwo, all three of them, 3, 12, and 14. Um, you know, I have all those graded. I have the Pikachu graded. Like, there's, I have quite a few. I think, really, I'm, I would ha have to, like, really, really count how much I'm missing. But it's not much. It's like, so what is there, 54 of these? I'm probably missing something like 15. Yeah. I actually got I actually got quite a bit uh, during the KC Con, which you know one of them includes the W War Turtle and the Dark Ivysaur winner from the Best of Game series that we bought or that I bought during the KC Con. Like it was really a good price. I don't remember what it was, but like that's that, that's what's so fun about these about those those conventions is how you can just like oh I'm missing this card this card and that card you know but I might take my binder with me <laughs> or just or see. something. Yeah, like, I, I have, I made a detailed list of, like, every, like, Neo card I was missing, and there's a few from, and I think there's, like, two, two cards from Team Rocket that I'm missing, but, like, I don't think I ma made a list yet of the promos. I might do that before we go to uh, KCCon, because I'm sure I'm going to find some of these, because a lot yeah. of these are that common. And it is fun. This is what, I, this is what we're talking about, though, like, great cards from our childhood, and, like, like the Ho-Oh, for example, the from the e-reader set is only twelve bucks, you know, and that's that's online. I bet you can probably find that for like ten bucks or something in in person. Yeah. No, well, yeah, yeah, it's damaged for three bucks near mid sixteen. I bet you can find that for ten bucks or buy a bunch of stuff, pay cash, you can get it for ten bucks. But that's kind of, that's what I'm saying. You can get great cards, awesome cards for for cheap. So. Yeah, it'll. It'll be uh, fun. I need to get my list together um, of E-Series Hollows because I think eventually Ooh, I, I, eventually I think I will go for that because, I mean, my binder sets are pretty much done. Um, yeah. So it'll be like a, a fun hobby goal when I'm at conventions, which I, I guess right now... I don't have any of them, so I can just buy whichever ones I see. But Without, so you don't even have to make a list. Yeah. So yeah, but, we'll we'll try it out and we'll do something with that. But yeah, and then there's obviously the greatest card ever made. Also, as we forget, ancient Mew. <laughs> so yeah, the old ancient Mew's in there for sure. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Um. And then another big one is the Machamp, which was the English version of the Misaki Machamp. You know, the old ones where you could send it in the mail. They'd, they'd send you back ones on these cards with these on these uh, card sleeves, and you peel them off. Yeah. 
So yeah, I got that one. Yeah, I have that one. I got that one from Yeti near Mint. It's like PSA seven, and it doesn't have the Misaki marks. Probably is what I think it is. So it's you know it's great looking. Like I'm, I'm pretty pleased with that. And I have the English version, but I thought I was looking at it, but it's not. Yeah, the the Japanese versions in my case is what what it is. Yeah, but yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, they. Uh, they really hit the nail on the head with some of these promos are some of the most iconic cards. They're definitely a nostalgia trip because everybody had them. Um, but yeah, Lucky they, Stadiums. It, it I worked. Say, well, I was going to say, so Lucky Stadium has actually gone through the roof the last couple of years, it looks like. Um, so is that the one with Pokemon Center? No, that, no, that was the Pokemon Center release. Uh, let me see. Uh, okay, yeah. Oh, they were both. No, they both were. Okay, that's yeah. right. Yeah, they so both they were, were releases for Pokemon Center. Yeah, in New York, which closed down after you know only a few years. And I remember there was a on Pokey Radar, I think it was in live in his podcast. He had a episode about a woman who collected a bunch of that stuff. She had what was it that she had? It was a big was it. Do you, do you remember the episode I'm talking about? Um, I, there was, was some a sort bunch of, thing. of products. There was like a guitar. But there was something that was at the po- New York Pokemon Center that she bought. And it was like, I don't want to say like it was a gumball machine or like a, a like it was a some sort of kiosk or something. Hmm. I don't know. It was pretty cool that she had it because it's kind of a like she's, you know, it's the only one that there is. And it's it's kind of cool. It's apparently like especially that time for Pokemon in its history. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what it is, too. I mean, there was a giant Pikachu that was, like, yeah, I remember that. in the shop. but Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember exactly. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of things. There's some pretty cool stuff. And just random, like, promotional products. Like, who knows what they had there at the grand opening. Um, it's so hard to like find that stuff online now. Well, a lot of it's in collectors' hands, is what it is, and you won't see it ever. You won't see it coming to market, but randomly. Yeah. That's pretty much what it is. Like you know, like you just once like there's as years go by, especially stuff from this era, especially some of the some of the more niche cards. It's gonna be one of those things where they're gonna be caught scooped up by collectors and you know you've seen i'm sure you've probably seen a news article here or there like there was one like a year or two ago like you know 90 year old surgeon uh passed away and he had in his hands the only one in existence of this babe ruth card in this condition or something like that like several million dollar collection that people didn't even know were in such good condition still he had yeah some some of them graded, some of them ungraded, and it's like, you know, stuff like that. There's going to be a lot of stuff like that where this person just takes to the grave with them, and then they'll the family will have to try selling it. Yeah, for sure. But, Who knows what stuff's out there too? I mean, there's illustrators that are still missing, and <sighs> yeah, on unaccounted for. There's like 41, and I think they only know about they can. Only, there's only accounted for like 27 or something like that. It's something along those numbers. 
Yeah, and like another thing that you mentioned already, like just random one-off in-house cards, like that yeah. dude's dogs as prime cards. Like those and that was were just discovered. Like, yeah, those were not months. known <laughs> about for such a long time, and then all of a sudden here they are, and it's like, yeah, the company made these cards just for him, and then his dogs are on them. It's like, okay. And there are many cards like that, some which we know about. Um, know the Ishihara GX that was given out at his 60th birthday party. You know, the that, prototype Chansey. Yeah, prototype Chansey's out there. You know, well, it's probably in the vaults of Pokemon, but you know, stuff like that the Pokemon has on their own. They should, they could legit have a museum with all that stuff. Yeah, like nobody knew that was a thing, and then all of a sudden they made that, you know, monsters celebration set, mm -hmm. and it's like, okay, like they're acknowledging this was a thing. So Chansey was the OG card, or what? Like that card exists somewhere, <laughs> the real one. Like, that's not just the promo card. But, yeah, I would just just think of all the stuff, like, at Pokemon headquarters. Like, just in their card catalog. Just the amount of crazy stuff that has to be in there. Even if it's, like, employee scribbles. Like, just one of those things, if it could be documented as, like, a real, like, test or prototype thing. Six-figure card. How much money that would be. Potentially one-of-one one cards. Yeah. Unless they yeah. have, like, destroyed them. Like. They could do that, too. But I feel like they, they would want to preserve their history. So, it would be, I would think a lot of this, they have some sort of... Unless they, like, unless they like photo documented them and like you know done it that way so now they have the images archived and stuff like that like they have per se a museum but to ensure nothing like that happens like they've been destroyed but I don't know it's who knows what they've done or haven't done or what they have or don't have maybe they don't just, keep a card at all you know they they don't care it's just about making a fun game that people love for the kids <laughs> and then they burn all the rest there was a dude recently this just reminds me uh i just saw a video and kind of a discussion about this dude who worked at one of the printing companies and essentially has like got an entire stack of like secret rare cards and you just see on the table like an insane stack of these cards and then he tried to like sell them of course so idiot but <laughs> it it's basically like just the amount of action like pokemon would take against someone like that is kind of scary that, to think about well and make sure if you do that one you, you're not an employee with him anymore if you're going to try to sell something like keep it like you know like you kind of brought this up but we mentioned before you know i know i mentioned before it's like you know the 2009 illustration contest the 2009 or the 2010 illustration contest was aurora 2009 illustration contest with uh arceus um the cards that are on the market at least with the 2009 illustration cards they're pretty much ones that never left the printing or 
they only left the printing room in somebody's hands that was in that room, if that makes sense. Like, one of the guys that made or that, you know, bought the uh, the set, a set of 10, the PSA set of 10 of all these Arceus illustration cards, he pretty much, the guy that he bought from was like, yeah, he was he was at a military base or something like that, and he bought it from an adult man. And this was like 10 years ago or something like that. So clearly it was not a kid because these kids were no older than sixth grade, so 11, you know. He so went, He went to Area 51, got, got <laughs> access. And somehow know, he, came he put back in with the these work. cards. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, what I'm saying is it's like there's a, this has been a thing for Pokemon for a long time. And especially some rare cards like the 09 illustration cards, like the ones that are on the market, it's people are very confident it's from the ones that only that never went to the hands of the kids that were taken out of the room of the printing room that they printed these cards in and that's how they acquired these cards. And they weren't stupid like this guy, he might even still work for these for, for this place. He sold it in a private sale. Didn't show off on social media about it. Who knows if he still works there or not, but I mean you know, who knows what, what they paid for, but there's there's a, lo- a lot of that where it happens to this day. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. It's kind of like the situation that happened with the Gold Star dogs. Like, there was a bunch of those. Someone, mm-hmm. like, uploaded a video where he had, like, an entire three-ring binder stacked full of the 9 by 9 or 3 by 9 or 3 by 3 9 per page pages. Um yeah, all gold star dogs. It's like, okay, I'm not trying to get anybody ideas here, but it's like, if you had that, why would you, like, why? The purpose of doing that is to, like, make money and, you know, you're very ill-willed and trying to tarnish the brand or take advantage of something, whether you got access to these cards, you know, pretty sure illegally or whatever you had to do to get them. It's like, what's the overall goal? You're trying to make money probably, right? So why are these people so stupid when they get these amount of cards? It's like, why not sell one card every month for like, the rest of your life sure well it's like you got these cards for free somehow you're obviously gloating about them what's the rush to get the money well and those those gold stars are some of the cheaper ones too the raikou entei and suicune there's some of the more cheaper gold stars because those were printed more well that that i'm not sure they're printed more the, but one of the main reasons why it's because of that video like, yeah. this was when I was just starting to collect again. This was a long time ago, and gold stars were, you know, already expensive. They were considered pretty rare pretty early on. And this video was around probably early 2010s, and that was the main reason why. They've gained traction since then, because I don't know if people, you know, just forget, or it's been enough time to pass, but... This was in a time where pretty much on eBay, there's only, I don't know, there were less than 50 of each gold star on there. You know, this was relatively early on, and they were definitely scarce already. But, yeah, all of a sudden this guy uploads that video, and 
there's a ton of them. But yeah, that that was one of the main reasons why it was so cheap for a while. And so over the years, I guess as the other ones went up, you know, they've went up too, just not as much because they started out lower because of that whole situation. But it it's a weird situation. For sure. I think that's the majority of the ones then, right? For the, the most notable ones to discuss. You know, they, there's like the Snap Pikachu. That's supposed to be kind of like the legendary Snap cards. Um, Pikachu 26, you know. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much the main Black Star promos. And we we went on for a little bit, so move on to the next section if you want that that's just the main section everyone knows you know those iconic cards i mean birthday pikachu there's not much we can say that you haven't heard about that one it's just always has been a fan favorite but uh and the yeah and the two printings the other the japanese one in a special book that's a different art the one that you really like which one is that the uh the all-star, I guess you can say, of the birthday Pikachu. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that came yeah. in like a... Not a wake, not a wake or not they, a walkie. Yeah. And then it was, you want to uh, pronounce it. It was in like some sort of coloring book or something. I forget the actual name. I'd have to look that up real fast. But It was like what I was talking about earlier. It was kind of like a little comic book type thing. Like yeah. When I said that, that's what I was thinking of, actually. But... But yeah, uh, which section should we talk about next? I guess we can do the best of game cards. Yeah, we can go ahead and hop in there. You, uh, I never really followed these cards. Um, I've always knew about them. I never really seen them as something special. But I guess Watsy was trying to make them special as like a send off. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, you can uh, go ahead and take over this one. Yeah, I mean, basically, it was the end of an era parting gift, more or less, that Watsy had. Watsy knew they were losing their licensing, and they're basically doing a one last hurrah during the tournaments. There's a few variations of these um, best of game cards. They're, some of them are verse hollow, some of them aren't. Uh, there's obviously one that has a w- winner stamp on it. The Ivy Store that I bought, that I mentioned, is one of those cards. And it's got unique art from the E-Rear era. You know, what we pretty much consider some of the best art in the entire TCG. And I, think, I think that was the only time Dark Venusaur was printed, too. Because Dark Venusaur was printed in, like, the Pokemon Web series in Japan. And we never really saw Dark Venusaur, but it was in that best of game set. So it was kind of a it was kind of a weird set to put it in, but that was just their kind of you know, homage to Dark Venusaur. <laughs> Here's a little tidbit on these cards I never knew about. I uh so all these cards had an air. The energy symbols in place by the attack. So the one kind of towards the bottom left. Yeah. Are slightly misplaced and put a little bit more to the left than usual. And I would have to see some of the other cards to, to get a full understanding of that, but 
Anyways, in an interview with Ike Lalia in 2022, it was revealed the errors on these cards and, ca- and cards on other sets really at the same time were done intentionally due to Wizards of the Coast at the time Vice President Vince Calori finding out their license to print Pokemon TCG cards was not going to be renewed. <laughs> I did not know so we that. just that tweaked them a little bit, just uh, uh, here you as go. an fu, as an fu, because apparently my high guess is now. I imagine the, uh, the the on the Japanese side, the, the people who oversaw that, everything had to be perfect. I'm sure, and I imagine this Kalori guy was well aware of that, and he knew that they would see that, so he must have intentionally said, "Okay, well, you're not going to renew it. Let me do a little f you, and we're going to make some errors in all these cards." I did so not what, know what that. part wow. was it? The energy of the attack. So yeah, so yeah, this was just discovered in 2022. So this is pretty recent information. That's why I didn't know about it. Um, yeah, so I never heard about that either, actually. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, this is on Bul- Bulbapedia. It says energy symbols in, in place by the attacks. So like fury strikes, I believe it's those grass energy symbols. Okay. I would have to see another card from that era. I don't have a whole lot from that era. I only have like the Mewtwo. Yeah, it's uh. Oh, I see it. Which one are I you looking it. at? I'm looking at uh, Mewtwo, the the Hollow from what is that? Expedition. Yeah. Yeah. So it's down and lower to the left. I mean, it's so subtle. It, you won't, you wouldn't know about it unless you're l- unless you read trying that. to look at it. Yeah. yeah, because you would be thinking that's just the design, but that was an intention, apparently. Wow. Huh. Yeah, definitely cool. interesting. Yeah. So these were now continue from that. <laughs> that was that was pretty cool little information. Um, I would also like to know what else potentially, you know, this, this one, this leads me to think maybe they printed cards. This, since he has that attitude, I wonder if they printed some cards on the, some of the sets that were ear that weren't released that were, that were planned. Hmm. Wonder if those cards are a thing. Don't hmm. know. Interesting. Um, plot thickens. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, these cards were handed out towards like uh, le- league tournaments, uh, um, and that's how you acquire them. They did go up around 2021 a little bit. Um, as far as their exact price, they're, none of them are crazy expensive. Even and I think the Rockets Me Too is one of the more expensive ones. <laughs> that I think was like 110, 120. The winner one, I think that might be the most expensive one. Um, yeah, forty bucks TCG player. I remember. I know Yeti had a Rocket Mewtwo that was like one twenty. So I think that's near mint is the, the the winner, the Reverse Market Mewtwo winner. I think is one more expensive one. The, even like the the Reverse Hollow or Hitmonchan isn't that crazy. I think they're like fifty bucks. Huh. But they did go up. I remember. So we had a friend that was buying these, and he kind of told me the price he was buying them at. It was like ten to fifteen bucks. Yeah, a nine, for example, a nine best of game hit my chan is only forty two bucks. Um, a, a Dark Venusaur winner is only seventy four bucks. So a, a lot of reason why that is is because a lot of people don't know about these cards. Like they actually have come down. They went up and they came down a little bit. Like a Rocket Scizor, eighty four bucks. So these are actually pretty affordable in tens, honestly. Very comparable to 
um, some some cards today, uh, like some VMAXs and tens and all that. Yeah. But the most special thing about it, it was basically a last hurrah from YC. That's why it's so notable. It's a some of the last cards made closing chapter to one of the most integral, important eras in the Pokemon TCG. And that's why it's so noticeable, because it really was a, it's a bridge, if you will, between Watsi and the next generation and next era. For sure. Yeah, it's a, it's really cool to see. Um, it, it was like kind of their send off and they had the, uh, you know, for sure the Watsi hollow and as reverse hollows, they definitely caught attention. So, yeah, it was pretty cool to see there. But, uh, yeah, overall, they're not really collected too much. There's not that many. And even though they're pretty popular with the, you know, trading card game playability, they were never really, like, super popular cards, you know. Which is weird. As far as anything else. I understand they're not going to be, like, crazy expensive I, I get that because of the pure scarcity or like the amount of numbers involved but they're still a watsy card and they're one of the few cards from the era that had that reverse hollow that we really don't see anymore nowadays that, that galaxy and yeah they're supposedly bringing some of the galaxy foil back but if i'm not mistaken it's not so much that reverse foil like something you kind of like unique yeah. But you think it'd be more sought after because of that, but they really aren't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're unique, but yeah, it's just I think these were like kind of common though too. Like I remember having some of these and they weren't like super desirable even then. But it was yeah, it was just kinda it was kinda weird. It was one of those things. You know, they were they were desirable, but they weren't, like, super crazy. But they were cool-looking, but they weren't, like, super popular Pokemon either. <laughs> so it's just kind of a... It's just kind of a weird, weird thing. But, yeah, who knows? We'll... We we'll might see more of these take off in the future or something. <laughs> but... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see... Uh, What's the other categories we have? Like the, the Southern Dublin Islands. stamps. Or yeah, let's do yeah, Southern yeah. Islands. Those were those were kinda cool. Yeah. But yeah, they uh it's pretty interesting. Like the Southern Islands, they were kind of their own little standalone set there as well. They uh it was basically, you know which how many cards was that? Was it eighteen? Yeah, something like that. They had there was three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There was eighteen. Yeah, it was like yeah. a nine by nine thing. Yeah. So yeah, definitely uh, some cool cards for sure. Mew card being obviously the most desired from the set. Yeah. One of the or a few early Lapras art cards too is in there. Yep, yeah, Lapras was chilling. The thing that was really popular with this set, too, was that um, it made one continuous artwork. So that was always one of the, you know, highlights of the set. They were really, it was really unique art style. But they they all came in, like, a little folder. So you got, like, 
In Japan, I think it's broken up where you get like three and three. But it was uh, it was kind of cool to see, you know, all in a set or all in a binder together. But uh, yeah, overall, these are just kind of nostalgic. They're not really insanely collectible per se, but they're definitely something. But other than that, yeah, yeah that's really I about it. It was one of the cards where it's like they're identical between Japan and England, or not England, Japan and the English versions were basically identical, yeah. um, more or less, with how they debuted and all that. It's you can still get. Uh, last I looked, it was like three, four hundred for the whole behinder, something yeah, like that. They, I think they've stayed pretty steady. They've always been pretty, you know, chill on the price aspect of things. Um. But yeah, they five hundred. So they are going. They have gone up a little, little bit. I like the postcards too. Like they had postcards made of them, mm. and they uh, they show each of the like the full artwork of like all the cards together. So it it's really cool this to see that. Yeah, this one with the binders four hundred. But yeah, you can. I mean, it's about four fifty maybe. Yeah, so it hasn't gone up too much. I mean, it's it's been pretty steady. You know, there were a lot of these made. But if you're collecting Watsy, like it's a bus. I have I only have the Mew, I think, from this set. But that's just because I just wanted to get the Mew. I found one that was near Mint at uh, Collecticon that we had, and I fit, I went ahead and got it. So, yeah, that's a guy I sold my uh, sealed pack. The one that people were saying, like the guy said, I can't tell if it's real or not. It might be resealed. <laughs> you know. And the guy, like, in a, like they've gone, I think the base of basic, it was a Charizard pack, but, um, I mean, it's basically, like, I got, like, 300 bucks and, like, that Mew card, so I basically got my money back. Yeah. Or, it was, like, 270 and that Mew, I don't know, it was, like, 330 or something, like, and he was going to sell for, like, four 420 so, yeah. That's not too bad. Yeah, these have pretty no, much always been affordable. They, they definitely took up, you know, of course, and the, uh, the hype, but. Uh-huh. Yeah, these were some of the like if you're trying to get a great set like for, for Watsy nostalgia. I mean, this is this is a fantastic item to get. It really is. I, it's got this nice like obviously it's it's on like you know Southern Island. It's got this vacation like this sunny like it's it's a great beautiful day feel. You know like all the like you have like a rainbow in the back of Mew like kind of like sunshine and you see a bit of the Mew and the Pidgeot like. Yeah, it's just the way it has this very nice feel to it. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that released alongside the second movie in Japan. And you got like, you you would get either the Rainbow or Tropical Island nine card set. And uh, yeah, it was, it was just really cool, really unique. Probably one of the very first like super unique odd products they have done and that's why people loved it so much um they also were released in like three card box sets so you know six of those total to make the 18 cards um then you had like because each one is broken up into like three cards so three cards make a little section of the island but uh yeah it was uh it was really cool. The English version came as like a little folder with all of them in there. Um, you got three booster packs in there as well. And uh, 
Yeah. All the artwork was retained, which was kind of pretty rare for back then. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the little trivia things on uh, Bulbapedia, it said, uh, you know, the Japanese versions of the cards had the old base through rocket design. They mm-hmm. were a lot more simple. And then when they came over to English, they had the Neo series design, you know, a little more decorated, a lot more going on. Um, and you can definitely see that between the two. You you see cards like that, like you see the Southern Islands Japanese release, and just something about them looks a little more simple, um, you could put it. But, uh, you know, that that's what it is. It's a totally different card design and, you know, totally different... Um, era essentially of car design so they had the neo design and uh it made it was because of this like the gen 2 pokemon featured in the set were the only ones of their generation to have the old school like base set through rocket design so it's pretty cool and sloking in the set specifically apparently is the only gen 1 evolved pokemon to have had a square evolution box because all the ones later retained the circular. So, pretty cool little tidbit there. Mm-hmm. Well, getting that also at the end of the year. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, pretty cool then- there. The only other things that I really wanted to mention, which we could do real quick, there was a. Uh, some other odds and ends that, you know, are a little more research intensive that people might not know about. But there were five card e-reader sample packs given out at some press conferences and Nintendo Space World. Um, there are also, for a long time, which were considered rumors, but they were in fact real and some were actually opened last year at Dallas Collecticon or Denver, one of those two. I think it was Denver, actually. Um, it they, they had these e-reader sample cards that they were using to test things out with in Legendary Collection packs. So some of those were actually opened, and you could even get like a Charizard and Blastoise Alakazam in there. Those were kind of some of the heavier hitters. Um, but they actually have this sample like the word sample printed on the card itself, so that's pretty cool. The uh, only other things I was going to touch on were the W-stamped promo cards, which actually had a gold W, yeah, which you mentioned Mm -hmm. those. They were just kind of a little special stamp. Um, I don't know why they went with that, but it was just kind of the Wizards of the Coast promo type thing that they just decided was pretty cool to do. And it is a cool little stamp. Um, But yeah, a couple of them were given out in a Duelist magazine, Top Deck magazine, Hong Kong Pokemon League, and then some craft giveaway in Australia was where you get the Dark Charmeleon. So that one's kind of one of the little more rare ones, I guess. Probably more expensive, I bet. Let's see. Yeah, Dark Carmelian. I think it is, but there's still like a ton of them because I think you pretty much got these in craft boxes, so it's like there was plenty of them. I think, but yeah, kind of interesting though. 
But uh, it's like a ten sold for five hundred bucks. So yeah, I mean near mints, you're looking at about a, probably about a hundred. So yeah, yeah. So there, there's still stuff out there. Um, we could touch on error cards, but I figure we could do like its own like, thing with that. Yeah, maybe break definitely... break up their own thing there too, because there there's a lot of errors in the early sets. Yeah, the War Turtle, and, you know. Yeah. Apparently now every single best of game one is a air card, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of like that whole full picks where they're like all like the HP air. Yeah, but. There were some sets planned by Wizards of the Coast that were never mm-hmm. made at all. There were, you know, rumors to be a Legendary Collection 2, which could have featured, you know, Neo cards. That would have been really sick. Imagine if well, there, there was a reverse hollow, like Legendary yep. Collection reverse hollow style of Umbreon from Neo. That would be insane. <laughs> Well, I think I don't know. Do you know the history of why they they lost the license? Was it just because Pokemon wanted to do its own thing because they got big enough, or was there more to it? <laughs> I think it was mostly that. Um, so yeah, they they just they were. I think they were thinking about it for quite some time. Like it was kind of writing in the wall. Plus, you know, obviously it was um, essentially, you know. They were trying to operate with each other all the way across the world as well. But yeah, I think in general, Pokemon just got bigger and, you know, Wizards of the Coast was making Magic the Gathering, which is somewhat, not directly, but somewhat a competitor to Pokemon. And there were many people who went through Wizards of the Coast for, you know, card games. You know, they just essentially could lease out their stuff, but... But yeah, it's a. Uh, it just kind of fizzled out and became a thing. There's some well, apparently there's some archives apparent- back there of like why and the ins and outs of it. But well, apparently they were in one one of the sets that they were going to release. They were going to potentially feature some of the vending series cards. But it seems like if you look at the theme for the proposed sets that they're going to release, they're like reprint, 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 like. It's heavily Gen 1 re- reprint base or b- base set based. And you can kind of see why. Like, I think that it sounds like it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B with Nintendo. Like, they didn't like what Wizards of the Coast was trying to do with some of their products. I think it's like we're big enough to do it, but also we don't like how they're doing it. Um, because they were really banking on base set, which is what we see Pokemon do now. <laughs> yeah. There's also so, like an internet archive of things too that I've seen one time where they've archived like conversations and emails and this there was one that was like in the early 2000s and essentially Wizards of the Coast like put in their bid to Pokemon to make the e uh the EX era sets so um they put in a bid to manufacture and distribute Ruby and Sapphire, but they yeah. were not accepted. So whatever reason it was, Watsy wanted to continue. Obviously, for the financially, it makes sense because although it's a yeah. slower era, they were still making money doing it. Yeah, but 
Yeah, Pokemon took it into their own hands. I'm sure things got rocky there when popularity Pokemon nosedived, but in the end, it was the right choice. So, right choice for everybody. It made Pokemon more collectible than ever because, you know, Watsy cards are kind of locked away in this imaginary vault now. Yeah. So, but... Yeah, so yeah, basically there was, they wanted to bring more of the vending series sets. There were several sets where they tried to do it. So that is interesting. Eventually, if given the, the means, they would have reprinted the English versions of these vending series cars, which also have some of the most unique and best art in the entire TCG. Like if you would say the top five sets, the vending series, whether you include them as individual or as one one cohesive set, which is kind of how I see them, even though it's one, two, three, I kind of group them all into one. They, you know, that those cards, most of those cards have never been printed with an English variant. Yeah, or even if, like, they the relationship was maintained, you know, there was talks of that cross-trainer set that I think you mentioned before we started. I mean, that, that could have been VS series, who knows? Like, you know, we know the VS series were kind of made and you know and were intentionally set out there to be tested at the tropical mega battle and you know that whole situation where you know the english vs cards are stupid Mm -hmm. rare and like trophy level but uh yeah who knows they could have had time to adjust rumor has it they were too overpowered and they weren't going to release them in english but you know if the Watsi relationship continued, maybe that could have happened at some point. Who knows? Yeah. All the all the possibilities could have been out there for sure. But this is where we're at now, though. And since this is kind of great to... Unless you have anything else, this is kind of great to go straight into the questions. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm good to go. So, you know, we're kind of talking about the original era that obviously, well, period, I should say, that encompasses multiple eras with the Watsi. Now, we kind of hinted at before, but have we, are we seeing a noticeable burnout of modern sets right now? Uh, That's my question, or my first question. I got two potentially, so. It's kind of like I said in the beginning, too. I think we're getting there. Um, yeah, you aren't seeing the, the prices go like as crazy. I mean, I haven't been, like I said, with my burnout in general, I haven't been consuming too much Pokemon content, um, just in general, but yeah, I think it's heading there. It's, uh, definitely have seen a shift. The, the pricing market, though, it seems like it has leveled off and we're pretty much at the bottom. Um, some things, as we've mentioned, sides. have been creeping up. But there is a... The people I do watch, like, uh, you know, I watch Alpha Investments just to kind of keep my eye on other TCGs because I'm not really in any other TCGs, but he obviously is. Um... He kind of keeps his ear open to all things because that's his business. And I guess Flesh and Blood is doing incredibly well. 
Like they're uh-huh. reaching new highs of their product, even post hype prices. Um, Magic oh, is wow. still struggling quite a bit, but you know the the writing is kind of on the wall for them. Something drastic has to change there because they suck. But uh, it's hard to tell if something like that, you know, Pokemon has came came down obviously, but not to the extent of other things. But it's like, is this excitement towards flesh and blood because of the magic situation? Even if it is, it's showing that people are still willing to spend money on TCGs. Is this Pokemon hype just temporary? Will it flare back up with 151? I think so to some extent. But still lots of questions. Sorry, I just... I'm I'm curious because we talked about like burnout and I, I just want to interject real fast and say, uh, so I'm going through the price of evolving skies booster box. It has taken a nosedive in the last couple of weeks. So we talked about how it hit 450. Well, the market has reacted to that price point hard. Um, What's it at now? They, well, so let's see the most recent ones sold for, there's some that are, have been sold for like low, th- like 350. Um, one under 300, but it was coming from China. I wonder, I wonder if that had anything to do with it. But it's not a Chinese one, but it is like English. I wonder if that reason, reason why it's so low. Uh, you know, some bids are going high, but like it, it reacted. Like it's like probably 350 overall, probably now. Um, so there has been a definitely a response in the market. So it hit 450. It's not going that. It's it, the market responded. Um, so we know it's not. It, I I I would think to see it go down. I think somebody did buy one at a large amount of price, uh, but if you see like the price trend, I mean, it, it went down hard. Like, and this is why it's kind of scary how far why it's going up and down. But like four forty March thirteenth, April third two two ninety they were selling for. Now there has never been an uptick. Now this is where you gotta be careful when it comes to the eBay's market value. Because sometimes, like a double listing, or like there'll be two boxes, and it will be featured into their market value. That's why it's that high. Because if you look at, or it will, it will include like this uh, case of um, Evolving Skies booster box, for example. You know, that's increasing the market because the way of the in their coding, how now they read it, the way it's like it's like written, it's going to be included. Yeah. Um, that's why it says up. But like it's about three forty, I would say is kind of where we're looking at here. So it's gone down hard. And, you know, I was laughing because I seen the listing, Pokemon Sword and Shield, Evolving Skies, Booster Box, ca- Sealed Case, First Print. <laughs> first Print, oh my God. <laughs> first Print on my case. It's so rare, bro. Because uh, it has the don't don't sell by this date, right? Isn't that why they're saying First Print? Yeah, I think that's the distinguishing factor. It's stupid. But then once you I'm open like, it, once you open it, it's it's no longer you can no longer tell that distinction. So okay, yeah. What it is? It's a great. People are literally just collecting the cardboard box and buying a premium for that, which yeah, that's another story. <laughs> but but and and so that's kind of a net hair story with like all these people that has have this crap sealed, and if they have it, if they do have even a small print run of booster boxes. Bro, this this is going down at two twenty. <laughs> these these boxes are. Um, but anyways, going back to the burnout of modern sets, I think 
it's more that so there's like some of the Pokemon we've seen, we've seen some Paradox Pokemon, obviously like Great Tusk, and we've seen great we see great art so far. But there's been a lot of new Pokemon being printed. And I think that's one reason why we don't have as much interest in the hobby. It's because it's newer Gen Pokemon, especially a lot of Gen 9 Pokemon. And I think that's one reason why we've also, there's kind of a little bit of a lull right now in the hobby is, is for that reason, it seems like. Um, is just because they're, it makes sense. Like, you know, they're trying to get us introduced to new Pokemon. You know, their, their type, their species, everything within the PCG world. Um, and I think that's one reason why a lot of people are kind of mid towards it because while, you know, while we are all kind of tired of, you know, gen one, it does sell, but even gen two or three, like if you look at a lot of the premier cards to go after with these sets, I mean, it's all, it's almost all, I mean, yeah, there's a Rehealu that's kind of cool and like Scarlet Violet, but a lot of these are like newer Pokemon for the most part. Yeah. So I think the Gen 151 is going to be a thing that's going to recreate major hype within the hobby. Yeah, and I think that's what people <laughs> like to open. I mean, Celebrations was fun, of course. But mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, we we just need some of that, too. So it's like seeing Evolving Skies do what it does. I mean, it's mostly because of the evolutions. So is... Mainly the Umbreon, yeah. Yeah, is the hype really only just nostalgia driven by like gen one and two or or what you know it's are we seeing a little lackluster of these uh scarlet violet sets because there's not much nostalgia in them we'll, we'll see they're still doing well no matter what and the cards look great so I haven't been into a Walmart in a while, but um, I'm curious to see if how the shelves are. I haven't had any desire to buy packs or even see. Yeah, I haven't been much anywhere really, but but it's even we say that, and it looks like the last sold All Star BMX Umbreon, or like there's two now that have sold for over a grand. So yeah, around a grand, or it might even they. they uh, no, I was curious to see if it was the same card, and they were just trying to try to uh, gauge the market. I mean, yeah, there's several around a thousand. So, I mean, I don't think that's right. I think they should be around seven, eight hundred in a ten. But you know, the the desire is there. Like, I mean, who knows where it end up being? Yeah. Yeah, it's a. Uh... It's just weird to see in general, but it's going to get weird. We'll, we'll see. I, I did see that Evolving Skies, I was looking at that graph, and it is pretty uh, pretty flat there. <laughs> yeah, and I think the reason why it's gone back up is because there's a few listings, like I told you. Like, it, when I was looking at the Mario Pikachu, it, it, would, like, it pulled a listing that had both the Mario and Luigi in it, and it fluctuated with the market value price because of it. Or it was like a PSA 10 Mario Pikachu that sold and it was included. Like it's so like you kind of have to look with the eBay market price because how they use it in their code is the listing names, like in keywords is what they're using to pull it from. So you have to be careful, but the TCG player is probably more accurate. And because of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I guess we can uh, ready to move on to my question. Yeah, I'm ready. So for my question, I had, you know, if Watsy still did it and Legendary Collection 2 did become a thing, like what what would that set look like or what would you hope it would have looked like? Well, I imagine the main ones would be Umbreon, Ho-Oh, and Lugia. Um, just off the top of my head. But there's also like the Neo cards or the, the Shining cards as well. Because Secret Rares, yeah, there was one in Team Rocket with the Raichu. But overall, Secret Rares became more unique to the Neo sets, um, more or less, with how they... How they created them and start having like shinings like a special tier um and it'd be interesting to see if they would introduce all the shinings because of that yeah like imagine all the shinings with like the crystal around it yeah it's like trying to think of like you know the reason for legendary collection one was essentially you know playability again but they also changed it up with the reverse hollows. But I don't know. It's just weird. Like, would they just do a Neo set? Like, if it was based more on playability again, I think it would be pretty much Legendary Collection 1, just with Neo as well. But it's it's hard to say. It'd be I mean, I, weird. I figured they would have done the starters... The dogs or the beasts or whatever, and like the Umbreon Lugia, and a few others um, to round out like the Reverse Hollow. The ones with like the Crystal Hollows is kind of what I figure, and then some Shinings as well. Yeah, like those would probably be like eighteen Reverse Hollows, and they'll somehow do the eighteen with the Shinings, the Starters, the dogs, um, and like the Umbreon. They would do some, and then they would have some sort of common or like really really well liked common or rare cards as well to round out like everything like they had like a Growlithe for example you know like they they no, they did have a dark Raichu yeah yeah I don't know it's, it's just weird like what it could end up or what it could be <laughs> but I don't know of anything else, like, if Watsy continued on and did, like, the Jamboree set or the cross-training set, like, I really don't know, like, what that would be become. Yeah. It sounds like, based on the description of it, it wouldn't, I don't know, I think it would have diluted the quality of some of the sets, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because it sounds like there's a lot more reprints in there. <gasps> if you make it to where... 70% of the cards are reprint. I mean, it's not as fun. Yep. Yep, it's, uh, it's weird. But, yeah, that's pretty much all I had, though. Just kind of a mm -hmm. simple question there. Yeah. If uh, you got anything else to say, though, I think that'll pretty much wrap it up. I think that's going to be it for me. I figure I did have two questions, but I'd rather save my other question for potentially the next, um, the next episodes. 
which okay. is kind of up in the air about what we'll be doing it on. Yeah, there is a lot of Lorcana news for sure. Mm-hmm. So there has been. We'll see about that. Um, yeah, what we'll do there. So there is a ton of Lorcana news and pretty much gameplay as well. Mm-hmm. So we'll be they're doing at a that. debut. Yeah, they're doing a uh, exhibition. I think at a gaming expo here next or this weekend actually. Um, I forget the. I forget, it's like a not Gen Con, but it's something else, some other expo that they're going to have a demonstration at, and we'll get a lot of it. Like there have been rules that have leaked. Lorcana website now has a breakdown of everything, and I looked at it a little bit, but I haven't had time to give it my full church attention for for the gameplay. Um, there's now been like what of the 200 or whatever cards they're going to be in this set. Like the it's going to be a big set, the first one, and it has to be because you got to have enough cards to play with. Um, but it's like we now have like a third of the, of the cards now mm-hmm. revealed. Yeah, quite a quite a few, and uh, yeah, pretty much reading those gameplay rules, um, I I really have a good grasp of it because I've played Magic quite a bit, so I can uh, you know we'll talk about all those rules and all that in the future. Yeah, I've never really played too much. The only TCG I've really played a lot was Yu-Gi-Oh. That was the one I had a big interest, and in. I actually like made a deck and everything, and with maybe intention of going to a place to play. But we never, I never did. It was, it was what it was. But yeah. that was a uh, that was the only one I really played. And the game style is obviously a lot different than Magic. So, yep. And then, so for me, it's going to be a learning curve because I'm not used to any of this. So. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to play Magic or something before. There's a lot of guys, like, I saw last night someone had made a tabletop simulator game where they have the images of the cards so you can play games on there. So there, there's there's options, but, yeah, me and you should get together and play some Magic beforehand because if you just know just how Magic works, like, you'll, you'll totally get Lorcana for sure pretty quickly. Yeah, and we're not... 100% sure if we're going to have that, but like Nathan and I have kind of said, or I've, I've been saying, like, let's wait till we have the rules, until we know more about the game before we make an episode. And we're kind of at that point. So I think unless something kind of else pops up that is like, oh, we got to do this, like within the Pokemon hobby, um, I think that's kind of where we're thinking for the next episode. So, yeah. I, uh, I was even contemplating, like, should I just like make my YouTube name generic and be like in P collects and then just start making Lorcana videos and talking about that? Cause like I was so burnt down on Pokemon. It's like, yeah, I mean, I kind of want to talk kinda, about that. But. That's kind of why like I made PBJ collectibles because yeah. I collect, you know, yeah, I collect Pokemon, but I also collect comics. But I also collect some Dragon Ball Z stuff. I collect some coins. But I'm obviously I'm not going to show off my coins to like on that page. But like mainly like the comic. Oh yeah, and games too. Like those were the ones I was like, you know. So I feel like PBJ collectibles is more like with what I'm trying to do. Um, but because I don't have a pure Pokemon name, I think that sometimes that slows like, like my progress within the hobby with like my following. But I don't really give a rat's ass about how many people follow me or don't follow me. 
Um, mm-hmm. I don't try to grow it. I don't need validation from people I'll never meet. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's like, do I want people to like listen to kind of like what I say? Yeah, but like, you know, I'm not desperate for this attention and to be validated and either are you. We just kind of do this. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I just like it, the aesthetic thing. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want people thinking, oh, it's just about Pokemon if I start making videos about Lorcana too, but maybe I'll just I mean, do whatever. You could be like all those people that create, create a podcast within, without knowing a damn thing about Lorcana. Gotta be first. Yeah. Gotta be first. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I get the mentality. I get the mentality. I do. I mean, good for you if it's decent content. I haven't paid attention to it mainly because. This is the first really episode where we can, you can actually, like, this month is the first month where you can, like, okay, we got a lot of stuff to talk about this month, you know? Because yeah. um, out of that, it's just like, oh, they revealed a new episode, or they revealed a new card this week. What do you think this means? It's like, dude, this is no different than watching people talk about football and the, the football offseason, yet somehow ESPN and places like that are able to talk about it 24-7, you know? Yeah, just talking about the same stuff over and over. <laughs> What did so and so do on? Uh, th- what do you think of his hairstyle? Did LeBron James did what? It's like, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, you I know? guess we'll leave you with that, y'all. And yeah, we'll we'll let you know. Might be Lorcana next time. Might be something else. But we'll for sure, for sure, we'll see you in the next one. Can't wait till next time. Peace. <laughs>